Hello and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valerie Cahorn and Catherine Lotspeech. Valerie and I almost did it again. I almost said Catherine Likely. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Um, I am coming to you from Colorado, where it is colder than a snowman's backside, and there's too much snow on the ground for my taste, even if it is January. <laughs> Well, it's, I won't complain because I think it's, I think we're at least in single digits here and we finally got a little bit of snow this week, um, which has been kind of nice because it was raining earlier in Idaho. So I'm, I'm thankful for some snow, but then, I mean, calving season is literally right around the, the, the bend. And that's usually what happens is January's nice. And then snow hits and we freeze our tails off as we <laughs> uh, um, are calving cows. So I feel that. But I think without further ado, Catherine, um, we dive into our episode. We're continuing on um, episode number two of our Ag Labor Series, and we're excited to have Eric with us. Um, Eric, thank you for joining us. And do you want to just tell listeners a little bit about um, the dairy and the heifer operation, just kind of in general, um, just to give listeners a little bit of of what you do um, and your day-to-day life? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, uh, I am a custom heifer raiser. I I raise heifers primarily out of the Midwest. Um, we uh, we've kind of we've been around for a few years now. We just kind of keep growing with our customers, and uh, yeah, I I guess I don't know the makeup of your listeners exactly, but the best way to describe what I do is I'm a bed and breakfast for dairy heifers. <laughs> I've never heard that one before, but I really like it. (laughs) Yep. Of course, they don't go to a slaughter plant. We don't buy and sell. They go back to the dairy to be milk cows. Right. Yep. A little bit of a different makeup than than a beef operation. So, Eric, um, last week we had had a producer on who manages um, an orchard and, you know, some new pick operations and stuff in Indiana. And he was telling us about his labor force challenges, um, you know, with with really running his operation from every aspect. And we wanted to have a perspective from the livestock side of the industry. Um, And so that's what we're coming to you for. So if you could just tell us about your labor force, what your, how labor has worked for you in the past and sort of what you're, what you're facing now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to like not even understand what everybody was talking about with the problems with labor and labor shortages. Mm -hmm. I had really good guys and, but I was a small operation. That was the difference. Um, as we've grown, it just continually becomes more and more of an issue. Um, you know, we, we depend on, uh, Hispanic labor. Uh, I mean, it has nothing to do with other than that's who shows up looking for work. So, um, uh, they're great guys. I have really good guys. Um, but it's a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge to keep up with the demands, um, where you're, uh, we're obviously in a, uh, oil field area. So we have that. There's a lot of other big, um, industry as far as meat packing and process, just agricultural processing. Um, and those are, those are, I mean, oil field, we all know, is extremely well-paying. And so here we are competing with that. And and you got to match it. 
you gotta you you can't be cheap cheap help ain't good and good help ain't cheap that's <laughs> what i'd like to say sounds well, like go ahead sorry no i was just i think that's a good point because once you you get somebody good you want to keep them on um and and that's the i think that's some of the biggest challenge but how how do you compete with corporate, you know, the packers and the processors and stuff, because they can, they can sometimes offer benefits and stuff that, that the smaller operations struggle with. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's hard. Uh, you just gotta, you gotta pony up at the end of the day. If, if you want to keep help around and you want to stop the revolving door, um, you do, you have to offer some benefits that are pretty good. We, we do offer, um, in my mind, I, in my opinion, I think excellent benefits here. Uh, the health insurance, uh, uniforms, uh, trying to think, you know, paid well now with Colorado, we're mandatory sick time, but we, we've always done the sick time. Uh, we've always offered paid vacation, things like that. So we, I think we're finally finding a happy medium. Um, we are, you know, it's, our focus here is not necessarily on how big we can be. It's on how good we can be. And so that's hard to, when you're trying to, as you're growing and you're trying to find guys that fit into your system and buy into your system and the mentality that we have here, that, that can be a challenge too. That's, that's a challenge anywhere. Finding people that just, they want to do a good job. For sure. So you said that you had reached sort of a happy medium and you had, you, you've got a good crew now. How, how how long has that taken to build up and how how are you keeping those guys on? I mean, it sounds like you have a good benefits package and you're comparatively, but how do you keep them? Well, and I, I still got to find that out. I mean, I've got a guy that's been with me almost since the beginning. Um, and then my next closest is two years. So, um, I mean, so I go from a 10 year employee to two years and I'm excited that I've kept couple of them around for two years uh so i hope we're finding that i hope i hope uh, when i say we've found a happy medium it seems like guys are kind of settling in uh, we're finding a core group of guys that that buy into what we're doing and uh, want to be a part of it so uh, you know if i i don't know it's 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 tough it's it's just it's hard to, and i always say it's not hard to find people necessarily it's hard to find people that care and i don't expect you to care and have the heart that i do or etc I, I you know that's probably unattainable but just care a little bit just be have a little bit of pride in your job mm-hmm. and and i've got friends um crop farmers i've got friends um uh i've got friends that are in construction and we all you know we all we're kind of a sounding board for each other just so we don't go crazy and it's it's everywhere it's everybody that's that's all we ever talk about is we just want to find people that just care and i don't know maybe maybe in the world we live in now that that day is gone i don't know i hope not well that brings up my next question do you so i mean this all sort of we've been talking about ag labor and agriculture for i mean i remember 2005, you know, my parents were talking about immigration and, you know, there were some ice raids in Utah that caused a lot of problems, a lot of heartache, you know, some really bad stuff. 
all the way back. I mean, that's almost 20 years ago. You know, I was 11 years old. Um, and you know, it's sort of been on the back burner all that time, but it seems like it really got exacerbated over the pandemic. So have you, I mean, have you been seeing this the entire time you've been in ag or has it, you know, has it really blown up since 2020 or how, how have you seen it change in the last couple of years? Um, you know, I don't think our work has changed that much. Um, I think during the pandemic, it got really hard to find people. Um, there was just nobody around and what was causing that? I have no idea. I really don't. Um, was it, was it just nobody was wanting to move? Was it, um, you know, everybody was getting some pretty nice checks from the government there for a little while. Was that an incentive not to go to work? I, I don't know. Um, and yeah, that's my answer. I don't know if I had the answer. Oof, I wouldn't have to do this for a living. I can promise you that. <laughs> but, and, and, you know, right out of college, um, I, I don't think it's changed all that much. I really don't. Um, I think, I think as this, um, the baby boomer generation is slowly retiring and going away. Um, that's where I, I think the dividing line, um, of just the moving around, just don't stick with anything. Just move around for five cent raise. And I don't know. Back to, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a lot of help for your podcast. When I'm sitting every other thing you ask me, I say, I don't know. So. Well, I think that's the, I don't know is what we all just chew on every day is how, how to, you know, how to keep the culture you were talking about, how to, bring employees that care in there and then take care of them and keep them around because that's, I mean, that's what makes a business go around and that's what makes Absolutely. everybody's life a little easier. And so that's just the frustration. How, like, as we're talking about this, what's your, how many employees do you guys ballpark have at any one um, given time? And are you between eight and ten, and, and I'm I've got a full crew right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. And and we're I mean as we were talking about the uh, the you know the weather we've had this winter and those kinds of things I've got need for a few more so we're we're on the heavy side right now. Okay. Where when you when you go to hire people where are you you know posting jobs is there government you know, I know for the orchards and stuff, they talk about the H2A, but dairies need full-time employees, you know, so it's not a seasonal, seasonal job. Right. How do you guys? I've gotten lucky, you know, my longer term guys generally can put the word out and, and we'll have people roll through um, a couple of my newer guys that seem to be really care, you know, they'll call their buddies up and say, Hey, this is a, this is a really good place to work. Come on over. Um, he's looking for somebody and it's word of mouth generally for me. I don't post, I don't, I don't do any of that generally. I haven't, I haven't posted or put out an ad in a long, long time. And when I say that, I mean, 10 years probably. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a little bit different from like specialty crops, you know, small right. fruit and vegetable stuff, because my understanding is that to, to even like get involved with the H2A program, you have to post that you're looking for help, you know, on 
whatever the local, you know, government job boards are and to prove that you can't get any domestic help. Um, and then, so that you have to look, um, you know, outside, outside of the country. So, I mean, it is a good thing that, you know, it's a little bit different in the livestock side where you do need full-time help, but I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't change the fact that there still are all these labor issues. You know, we talked about not needing the, um, H2A program and, and if you're not comfortable answering this, this is totally fine, but are your workers mostly documented or undocumented? Um, and it's the big question, you know, the dairy industry up in Idaho is finally starting to talk about it. Um, but it's, you know, what's, what's your makeup of, of demographics? It's, it's documented workers that I have, um, uh, back to, I think we pay a little better. We do all right. Um, so yeah, I, that, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about this for a decade of coming up with a program that works to get, to get help in here. That's, that's, uh, not, I mean, my guys are very talented, but, um, skilled labor, um, can be taught. That's a big one. Um, so I, yeah, (laughs) what's the program, um, where we bring in the vets from, uh, Mexico. Yeah. Um, we haven't here done that yet. Uh, we've sure talked about it. It, Um, with that program, uh, you got to provide housing. You're limited on the work you can have them do. Um, so that one's, that one can be a challenge, but it seems to be working for a lot of guys as far as, um, breeders, herd health types, maternity, which I don't have herd health, but I don't have, um, like a maternity situation here. So I'd be very limited in what I could have them do. So like, um, feeding even is that's, uh, that's a gray area for sure with that visa. Um, so anyway, well, and getting those, you know, creating those, those programs, because there's a lot of workers that want to come to the United, like they're begging to be here working and we, and we have a mess at the border. Like, let's just pull it like it is. And we can point to whoever we want, but it's a mess. And there's people that want to come, want to work. And yep. we're either denying it, making it impossible for documentation or, and they're just, it's, it's just a disaster. Like, and we have an opportunity to fill these jobs that people are begging to be filled that. Right. We, yeah. And it's, you talk to a politician one-on-one and they'll all tell you it's a mess. We got to fix it. I mean, it's very simple. The solutions are simple, blah, blah, blah. And then when it comes down to it, they don't do anything. None of them do. And not to get too political here, but it, it both sides. I don't care what side you're on. <laughs> Name me something. Either side is done to try to fix any of this. Um, you know, that's, I mean, we can have debates all day long of what to do. They got to do something. And that's what scares me, though, sometimes, too, is sometimes their solutions are not that. You end up with a bigger mess than what you had to begin with. Um, but, yeah. And it's not just ag. It's like I, like I said, I have friends in construction that can't find help. Um, or, you know, uh, had one a friend here not too long ago. Kid was standing next to a trench, fell into a trench, got a concussion, all this. And it turns out he was he was high on something. I never did hear what he was, but it's back to that and finding people that can pass drug tests. And um, 
people that want to show up to work on a regular basis. It is, it is a challenge. It's, I mean, I'm dealing with a little bit of that. It's, you know, Oh, I'm not going to be there tomorrow morning. Oh, or noon. It's all oh, my, uh, my lawyer called. I got to go to a meeting with my lawyer. <laughs> I've had a few meetings with lawyers in my life and they've never called me and said, you need to be here in 20 minutes. <clears throat> it's just like, okay, see you later. You know, in Colorado now we have the mandatory sick time, <clears throat> which I can't ask. If they say they got to go, they got to go. And I respect that. And I follow the law there and it is what it is. But, um, you know, I, I just switching gears here a little bit. I'm, I'm probably going to be an outlier with this. Um, you know, Colorado has their new ag overtime laws. Um, if I'm a hundred percent honest, I've always kind of felt like that wasn't the best situation anyway. I think there were, there were employers out there that abused that. Um, you know, uh, I think I truly believe in my heart there it's, there's a silver lining to it in Colorado. Um, there's a lot of, there's other States they have to pay overtime in ag and they have an extremely successful ag, um, uh, industry within the state. And I hope, I think it's going to be a silver lining in Colorado that, um, it gets to the point of, you know, we're going to work 60 hour weeks. That's just what we do. That's what it takes to get stuff done around here. Um, but it'll get to a point where these guys are making so much overtime that we are extremely competitive to where these other industries can't even touch us. And maybe we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel anymore. Maybe, maybe we can get, um, you know, that, that higher level of employee, if you will. I, I don't, I hope that doesn't sound too bad. That's, I don't know how else to say it. Um, but just purely off of the overtime they can make. It's good. I mean, when this thing's done, they're going to hear it's going to be 12 hours of overtime a week. That's a lot of money a year. That's, that's a lot. They're going to be doing well for themselves. So it's interesting that you bring that up, Eric. Um, I, I think that you might be on the other side of that issue, at least at the beginning, just given, you know, the, the uh, philosophical makeup of the agriculture industry. (laughs) (laughs) But the way you put it is certainly, it just gave me a new perspective on it. I mean, you're right. Like agriculture at a minimum, I think is 60 hours a week. And there's times when it goes a lot higher. I mean, even just with weather, like you guys are having right now, you're all tired, you're exhausted, and you're probably there 15, 18 hours a day trying to keep the cows fed for the heifers. Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, when that, when this, all this crazy weather started back in December, I mean, we, we busted our butts and, um, and they were rewarded for that. That's, that's the good thing about it. They were rewarded and they know now that there's a reward and and it's created other things that I'm having to learn. Um, I'm having to learn how to manage it because now all of a sudden, um, we went from, I mean, everybody, it, your head had spin so fast when we hit, when they hit their 58, 59 hours, I mean, your head had spin, they were out of this place so fast. And now all of a sudden it's 61, 62 hours. And, and so that's taking a new management and make sure we're not milking it. Hey, if, if it takes 60 hours plus, it takes 60 hour plus and we'll pay it. And that's fine. Don't milk it. Don't, don't intentionally drag things out so that you can get your overtime. 
It, on my part, at least, it's really refreshing to hear the attitude that you have towards your employees because, you know, I, I've worked in a lot of different areas of the dairy industry and some different parts of agriculture. And it seems like there are a lot of people out there who are willing to exploit what they oh. what they have, you know, and that's just. That's yeah. Really and it's, it's, it's always, that's, that's always bothered me. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, we owe it to these people. Um, and I shouldn't say it that way. We owe it to our employees um, that they can I, that they can make a living wage. That they can and and here's a challenge too. How much do you pay in Colorado to get somebody um, enough to pay their rent? I mean, we all know housing and rent in Colorado is absolutely ridiculous. It's um, I, I like it that I see there is some opportunity, at least where I'm located, that there's some uh, housing for ag labor and things like that, reduced cost housing, and, but there's not enough of it. I mean, it's, it's the same problem everyone has. There's not enough housing and it's too dang expensive. Um, back to this is the Millennial Ag Podcast. I, I saw something hilarious on TikTok uh, yesterday. I, I'm sorry to say that I was... I was maybe <laughs> screwing around on TikTok at work, but, um, uh, and it was this, and it was, uh, um, it was talking about boomer parents or Gen X parents saying, get out of my basement. I paid for a house. How come you can't? And then it flashed up like the equity that those generations have in their homes <laughs> and, and compared to what it would take us. And I just kind of laughed about that. Um, I completely butchered the joke, but it was, <laughs> it was funny, but, but housing's ridiculous. And, but at the same time, like, how can we expect um, the people to work for us if they can't make a living, if they can't simply pay their rent, go to, go to the store, buy groceries, um, afford a few luxuries. And, and I don't believe a cell phone's a luxury anymore. It's not. And afford a cell phone, um, you know, afford, to go out with your buddies on a Friday or Saturday and have a few beers. And then maybe a couple times a year, you get to go take a little vacation. Um, I, I, I believe in my heart. We owe it. We owe it to them to, to do that. And, and I just, I, sometimes I shake my head that I'm an outlier in that, that, that if I sat down in a room of a lot of producers uh, in ag in general, I think I might get chased out of the room with a pitchfork or looked at real funny by you saying these wish. things and that's that's wild because you have like in my mind you have the right attitude you're paying people to work hard you yeah. want to compensate them for that so that they can also have a life i mean that's something Absolutely. that I'm running into in my personal life you know now we have a little girl and it's not just about me and my husband and you know working 24 7 but we we want to have a life too and i think you know you mentioned cell phones yeah, they cell phones have facilitated being on 100% of the time. In fact, Eric, you and I, we caught up a few years ago, and you said that you were so busy, busier than you've ever been in your life, and you took out your phone and you shook it, and you said, it's because of this damn brick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. It never ends. I'm, you know, I'm getting, uh, uh, I, I had, I had a cattle truck driver, um, that uh, he was new last week, and apparently he thought that letting me know he was on his way 
wasn't just like, Hey, I've got 120 head headed. I'll be there approximately this time. Cool. And my same response every time is 10, four, thank you. Gates will be set. Cause they're, they're usually here in the middle of the night. They just unload themselves, put them in the pen, close the gate behind them. This guy decided apparently he needed to like, give me hourly updates. And, and so one thing I've done is here in the last couple of years is at 1030, my phone goes on silent and it does not, it doesn't wake back up until 6am. And usually I won't answer my phone before 7am unless it's one of my guys. Um, it's just, no, I'm not, I refuse. I am not 7am is plenty early to start business. Most businesses don't even open until 8am. So, but, um, and the only way it'll ring out loud is if, if it's, I think two or three text messages within five minutes of each other. And if it's a phone call within from the same number within, because I'm still in cattle. I mean, I still get phone calls from County sheriffs because there's a bunch of heifers out on the road or, or, you know, I, I still need to be able to be woken up. We are still a 24 hour day deal, but it got to the point. I, I couldn't listen to it anymore. I, I had to shut it off, but, and that's hard. That's damned hard. And, so spinning that into the labor thing is these guys deserve the same thing. They deserve to be able to have a life. That work-life balance is very, very important. I mean, it just, it just is. We, we're, we are all put on this earth for more than earning a paycheck and dying. And, and I, think, and, I, I think that's just... <laughs> fabulous and i and i like that mentality especially you know as as we're in winter and we're we're heading into busy seasons or we're already in busy seasons reminding ourselves that there's bigger things than what's what's right here in front of us and what's Absolutely. our career you know agriculture is a lifestyle but there's a little bit more Absolutely. than a career what is your response to people when they so like it's great to pay people more. It's great to, you know, give them these benefits, but that hits the bottom line of your business. You know, what's, mm -hmm. what's your response to that? You get lean and mean. And we've always kind of had that attitude is you got to, you have, it's forcing people to get efficient with their labor. And I think for many, many, many years in agriculture, cheap labor and you hire a ton of it. Well, that can't be your attitude anymore is, is um, get really, really good at what you do. Get lean and mean with help. Find the right people for the job and, and get efficient. Manage. <laughs> um, that's, that's how you do it. You can still do it. You just have to get lean and mean. So in, so. in that same area, Eric, the, the realm I work in these days is um, dairy activity monitoring systems. So we monitor heat, lameness, and lying time. And what I have come to understand while I've been in this space is that that doesn't necessarily decrease your labor force, but it makes you more efficient with the labor that you have. Correct. So what kind of things, you know, in in crops, especially um, in specialty specialty crops, especially, you know, automation is becoming a big thing. And it is in dairy too, you know, robotic milkers and stuff like that. But yep. what, I guess, what do you see in that space for dairy or even for your operation in particular, where you have heifers, not necessarily milking, but how do you, how are you going to increase those efficiencies and get 
you know, get the right people in the right place. You got to adopt technology. You cannot be afraid of technology. Um, and, and that's a catchphrase, if you will. Um, it's easy to say that, but um, we've all got these computers. You got to use them and you got to use them to the max. You got to use it to the max of their potential. You know, we've got the scanners and, and all that. And I make all of our sort lists and all those things off of, um, and they just run through and scan them and mark them and move them and do whatever they have to do. And there's facilities way bigger than mine that they're like, oh, no, we still do that off of paper. And I just kind of like cock my head sideways and go, what? Why? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I get to do so much. I, I'm like a little, like when we're, we've got MIA heifers is what I call them, missing in action. You know, they're, they're supposed to be somewhere and they're not. And generally when you find them, you're like, how in the world did she end up there? Um, but I'm like little inspector gadget because of our scanners. Cause I can go back and I know when she was scanned, where she was not where all the time, but when she was scanned last. And with that information, I can start poking around and I will generally figure out where she is at just simply off of that. And I mean, but then there's these guys that are like, ah, we don't want to mess with the scanners. You're crazy. I'm sorry. You're, you're nuts. There are 5,000 cows that I know of on the front range that don't even have electronic IDs. And I'm like, you guys, yeah. 2023, like, yeah, what are you doing with your lives? Well, I mean, the government's going to track you. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that... Yeah, but there's this thing called a license, a driver's license. And I mean, they got yeah. you right there. <laughs> oh. And if the government wants to know how many cattle we got, they've got satellites they can read license plates with. If they want to know, they're going to figure it out. It's not, it's not rocket science. And I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Uh, I get a little. I feel like I get a little radical on some of this stuff sometimes, but um, that's just what I believe is is adopt technology and use it. Learn it. Learn its functions. Learn how to use it to its maximum potential. Um, and, well, and, and some is, some are better than others. I'm not super excited about my feed program. I'm I'm going to do them the honor of not bashing them over a podcast. But you know, there's I think there's better technology out there for that. But it 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 helps us. It it makes us more efficient. Well, and it um, could it, the right technology could replace an employee, you know, absolutely. or a portion of an employee. Um, getting back to your point of efficiency and and tightening up the number of people you need. Yeah. Um, on the technology front, you're talking about robot milkers and, and those are fantastic. Um, the, the other one for a short while, um, I had the crazy idea in my head. Um, I wanted to do baby calves. Um, <laughs> and, and then that would kind of go away and then I'd kind of think about it again and then I'd kind of go away. And then, um, this winter, has pretty much been the final nail in that coffin. I, this winter, I've just sat here and went, yeah, yeah. How about having a whole bunch of baby calves right now? That'd be awesome. Um, do you think you're tired and wore out after the last seven weeks? Throw baby calves in the mix. But like the the robot feeders for calves, you know, I, I, I looked into that a lot. Um, and I promise this story gets to efficiency and all that, but it's it's like what I did learn was so many failures in that is because somebody put that technology in and said, oh, good. Now I can fire half my workforce. Yeah. No, nah, 
That is not what that technology does. It allows the current workforce to focus on things that make you money. And, and granted, handing out milk and bottles or filling buckets, that's making money. Um, obviously, they have to have that. But what do dead calves cost you? What do poor performing calves cost you? Because workers are spending their time on that and not walking pins and checking temperatures and identifying those heifers that are behind a little. And maybe we can give them a boost and make them a good productive member of the herd someday instead of them falling through the cracks and, and either dying or, or getting cold because they can't get pregnant or their first lactation is junk because she just she didn't get going as a calf. So you know, being, being efficient with labor is not always just um, having less labor. I, I, I see people do that all the time. Efficient labor is less labor. Well, not necessarily. Make sure that labor is doing what cap, capitalizes the most on opportunity to make money. So they're in whatever business you are, the labor, your employees are what's give return on investment or making the product or producing, you know, like I'm in consulting, so it's ours, but you know, for you, it's, it's creating that heifer or feeding that quality heifer to give back. And that's what you get paid on. And so if you don't, don't, produce and the labor doesn't produce then you don't make money right yeah it's um you know on the technology front it's not just that it's equipment give the you want to make your labor more efficient our philosophy and there are a dozen philosophy a million philosophies out there on this and i can start all kinds of fight with just two of my neighbors right now if they were sitting here with me and i bring this little thing up that i'm about to say is you know, we, we invest in, if not brand new, new equipment technology. They have equipment that when you turn the key, it starts, it runs, and not only runs, but it's efficient. It's got the technology in it that it's fuel efficient. And we can argue death all day long, but um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking fuel efficiency of an engine. The machine has settings in it that you can make it work better for the job that it's doing at this exact moment um you know tractors that set their own idols we we, you know we've all talked about that it's been around for close to 20 years now but you know you tell it what uh, what it's doing and it it decides how much engine rpm it needs those those are all things that make you more efficient if you're burning less diesel fuel you're making more money and you can afford to pay people more money so you guys no, invited me on know. here and I was like, what can I possibly talk about? And I'm just yammering away here and letting, <laughs> letting the whole world know all my little tinfoil hat wearing <laughs> conspiracies and all that. So, no, I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, I, you know, we were excited to have you on because we, we know you from, you know, from our professional <laughs> and, and, you know, we, we respect what you do in the industry, but you have some perspectives here that are not. I don't know if they're not widely shared, they aren't widely talked about, but they they are refreshing and I think that they are important to consider if if yeah. we want to move su- forward successfully as an industry, you know, the, the success of our industry depends on the people who can actually do the work. And you have some ideas here and some perspective shifts that, you know, probably most of the rest of, of ag could could stand to hear. So say it. <laughs> 
this is what we want to hear. <laughs> I, I read a book. Um, it was a long time ago. There, it was two books that have um, shaped the way I manage, the way I lead. Um, one of them is called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. I can't tell you the uh, author of that. And it's been a long time. It, honestly, I could, I could um, refresh myself on that. But the premise of the book is um, everything you do literally is the result of a question. And so sometimes we say, why can't that guy just get his job done? Well, change your question. Has he been taught correctly? Am I counting on other employees to teach him how it's done? And, and then you have, you know, protocol drift and well, you know, it's, I tell, I can tell you something. And by the time it gets through 10 people, it's, it, it's nothing of what I said originally. That was a great book. And then, um, there's another one. It's a, it's called lead for Christ's sakes. And, and it's, um, it's about, uh, a high school basketball team and and uh it's lead for christ's sakes like i think in our business we i think in ag and general production ag we're, we're a very independent bunch we're a very uh, self-motivated um uh, self-reliant bunch and we expect everyone around us to be that way and that's not the reality of the situation. That's not generally who we have working for us and um, lead for Christ's sakes. You got to show them what the expectations are. You got to show them what you want, what you need. And, and I find out generally when you show them, it's not a problem. 65% um, of them will, uh, will do that. They'll, they'll do it. It just takes leadership. It takes management. And, and I'm no great leader. I'm, I'm not. I'm not claiming I am. And in fact, I question my leadership abilities regularly because um, to say that I have a temper is an understatement. Um, and, and I think sometimes the best leaders can control that a little better than I can at times. Um, I'm not saying I don't blow a head gasket regularly. Um, one of my employees, he, he jokes and he tells me all the time that I've gotten too soft over the last probably 10 years. And, and sometimes when some things aren't getting done around here, he'll, he'll come over to me and say, Hey, uh, boss, maybe it's, it's not a terrible thing. If my old boss would come visit once in a while, he'd say, don't get me wrong. He says, I, I like the new loving tender boss, but maybe sometimes the old boss is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and usually I'll say, okay. And yeah. Um, so, uh, it's just, you know, it took, I think, just a funny story a couple weeks ago. There was, there was one of my new guys. I mean, and I'm talking weeks here. Um, he was in the shop, and I, I came in, and I was looking for the cutting torch. And by the time I finally found the cutting torch, it was nowhere near where it was supposed to be. And it was buried by a trash can and junk and crap. And that drives me crazy. That's piling stuff into a corner will drive me batty. And so I'm trying to get to this thing and I realize that someone's been feeding the barn cats their leftover lunch. And I stepped, I stepped directly into a half frozen, probably week old, uh, frozen, uh, microwavable burrito in my new shoes, in my new work boots. 
and said burrito ended up across the shop stuck to a wall <laughs> and uh, uh that dude, he kind of just kind of looked at me and i just looked and and it wasn't directed towards it i, I was just having a little moment to myself and he just kind of looked at me and then the next thing i know he's picking up trash and rolling the trash dumpster out and i just kind of chuckled i just patted him on the back and i said thank you <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh but you know so back to the i'm not a great leader i'm not what all the books and everything say but i'm not afraid to manage and i think a lot of the times um, there's a lack of management there's a lack of management in a lot of facilities and then, and then that leads to turnover. Um, and, and I have plenty of turnover here, so maybe I'm not, I'm not a great manager. I don't know, but, um, yeah. Well, and a lot of times they say you don't necessarily leave jobs, you leave managers, you know, and yes, you yes. appreciate when your boss gets in the, you know, in the trenches with you or is in the barns with you occasionally showing yeah. you what to do rather than just telling you what right. to do. Right. Absolutely. And and I'm a believer in that. I Every now and then I got to just go out there and show them, hey, they're in a job here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry. I pulled away from some Wi-Fi. But uh, yeah, I mean, it just, sometimes it just takes management. You got to jump in and you got to do it. That's, that's what we're here for. So if I'm getting off on all kinds of little tangents here, I can't think like where I was going with half this stuff. Anyway. No, that's okay. I mean, you know, we like to have a topic for conversation on our episodes, but we we love it most when when things go off in different directions because it all it all ties <laughs> together. You know, it it all it, yeah it does it all ties into it. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, and giving our listeners a more complete picture of whatever we're talking about is you know something we're always aiming for. So we don't mind rabbit trails. We're famous for them. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, very good. Well, <laughs> that's I've, what I've... podcasts are good for. Yeah. It, it, well, well <laughs> Eric, it has been an honor and a pleasure to have you on this week. Before we sign off, is there any other words of this. wisdom, rabbit trails, anything else you want to leave listeners with this week? No. It's, I mean, we're, yeah, love what you do. Um, and if you don't love what you do, find something else to do. Um, that's that's my bottom line and and no matter uh no matter how frustrating or hard and difficult things get sometimes just stick to it it'll be all right just like i've I've been complaining about the weather and here and give it another month month and a half and this will all be a bad dream and we'll laugh about it (laughs) and then then the next time it snows we're gonna say it's never been like this before (laughs) (laughs) It's like the winter in '93. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Very yeah, cool. No, this has been a great conversation, and I'm not. I mean, you guys want to keep talking? We can keep talking. I'm, I'm game. Sorry, I just, I was tired of sitting in the pickup, and I wanted to go in the house. So. <laughs> no, that's no problem. Uh, we we do have to jump off here. I've got some evening okay. I need to go to, but Eric, okay. uh, we're planning on a. 
final episode in our Ag Labor series, doing a roundtable of all of our guests to talk about solutions. So we'd right. love to invite you back for that. And um, until then, we appreciate your time and, and especially Absolutely. For, uh, your perspective that may not match up with everybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. Very cool. And listeners, we thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your comments as well. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.